This is the Craft of Coaching podcast, where you'll learn about how to become a life coach with a strong skill set through understanding the craft of coaching. I'm Kate Swoboda, also known as Kate Courageous. As the director of a life coach training program called the Courageous Living Coach Certification Program, I'm passionate about the craft of coaching and how we evolve the skills and the industry. Learn more about our program at teamclcc.com. And here's today's episode. Oh, yay. Today's going to be an exciting episode because I am interviewing another coach. And this time, here's why you want to listen. All you multi-potentialites out there, all you people who are like, I kind of want to be a coach, but I also kind of want to be a yoga instructor, but I also am kind of into art, and I'm also kind of into justice, and I'm also kind of into reading, and I'm also kind of into, and on and on and on. I got somebody for you to meet, and she's a graduate of the Courageous Living Coach Certification. Her name is Sarah Silvis. It's Sarah with an H at the end, so it's um, S-A-R-A-H. Silvis is S-I-L-V-A-S. You can find her at sarahsilvis.com. And she is stopping by the Craft of Coaching podcast today to talk about what it means to her to be a multi-potentialite and how to manage all of those impulses to go in a million different directions and really eat at what we call the buffet of life without losing yourself. So here we go really great conversation, Sarah Silvis. So, ah, Sarah Silvis of sarahsilvis.com. Sarah with an H. Um, I was so excited to talk to you because when I think of you, I think multi-potentialite. <laughs> mm. I think you're that person, like you do Koya. Am I pronouncing that correctly? You are, yeah. Okay. All right. So you you do Koya movement, dance, yoga, coaching. I would consider you to be an artist. I also feel like if you wanted to have a little side career as my personal stylist, you have the best style <laughs> and I love all of it. Um, and so you could do that too. Just like you're one of those people, like you've got your hands in a bunch of different things. And so one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you in particular is because I feel like sometimes what happens is people will go, I'm considering coaching, but I feel like I want to do all sorts of things. And I, you know, I don't want to just narrow it down to coaching. And, and sometimes there are people who are coaches who are going, I'm a coach, but I almost feel like I'm doing something wrong because I am always wanting to like sort of have myself pulled in different directions. I should just focus. That's what they tell themselves. Mm. And so I thought you'd be a great person to talk about the extremes of the, of it, which, which are that if you're a multi-potentialite, there are times when life feels effing crazy and the, the like pleasures of it, which is kind of like, I'm sitting down at a buffet of life here and I get to like eat all of it or a little of all of it, you know, like I get to eat whatever I want. Mm -hmm. I don't have to just choose one. So would you tell us a little bit about um, how you have arrived at a place where you're like, I want to do all of it. I don't want to focus on just one. Or I don't know, maybe that's always come really naturally to you, but do you remember any kind of a, a moment or a, a journey that you've taken towards really embracing, I want to do all of it? 
Yes. Um, I remember as even a small child that I, um, I used to call it like a, uh, um, like a job maven. I was like, I like doing a lot of different things. Like it's not just like one thing, even as, even as a child. So I had a lot of interests that are that very closely mirror what I am interested in as an adult. I had those same interests as a child and I was very um, just captivated by the ability to immerse myself in a lot of different things. And um, I found a lot of joy in not limiting what I was interested in. And I think maybe it was groomed a little bit by my parents who were of the mindset that I should try as much as possible. So like every, every quarter in school or in the rec center, there were different activities that I could sign up for. And they really encouraged me to try something different almost every single time until I found the things that I really loved. Um, dance being one of those things that um, stayed with me since I was three and um, kind of just spawned my desire to engage myself in other types of movement activities. But I mean, I could say, you know, you're talking about the style that as well, just I, as I was a child, my mom just couldn't handle uh, what I, all the different outfits I wanted to wear, but has followed me, um, that has like followed me into my adulthood of, you know, leotards with tights and jean shorts and platform shoes. Um, so it's always like, it's always been there. Which I think is a really cool revelation for myself because I always, so you run into those people that are like, I always knew I was going to be a firefighter. I always knew I was going to be an attorney. And I, I felt for a long time in my 20s, I was like, I never knew ever, like, what, what was I always going to be? Because I had so many different things and I got on top of myself and down on myself about that for a long time and it it then drove me to be a heavy hitting seeker like I am going I, I just need to find it I need to find the thing I need to find out what my one singular calling is and I would say probably it's getting close to about five years now where I realized that I didn't have just one calling that I have many and they don't need to be in balance. I am fine with being committed to one for a little bit and then skipping over to the other and coming back. Um, but I have realized that my calling is to actually, as you said, taste as much from the buffet as possible. And I'm lucky because I'm a fast learner. And so the things I do decide to engage with, I do pick up pretty quickly and I'm really passionate about it. Uh, my grandma always says, and not just because she's a sweet grandma, but like, I think she's being really honest and true that whatever I put my mind to, I can pursue it with excellence and success. And I, I, I have seen that happen and I'm like, I'm really proud to kind of look back on, on the path that I've created and see all of these different things that I've done um, to my fullest ability and now be at this point in my life that I'm pretty proud of that. I'm pretty proud that I have a really diversified resume, that I have so many different skills, so many interests. But as you were saying, there's definitely some 
there's definitely some extremes to it that can um, make me feel like um, I'm a bit harried. And then there's also moments of joy. So yeah, just going back to your question, I've really felt that multi-potentialite energy ever since I was a young child and having my hands literally in many different things and feeling really fulfilled in doing, doing so. I know that you and I have had like personal conversations just about the whole doing a lot thing. And I, I would also consider myself to be someone who like, like, I mean, I love the phrase you use on your website, the wild inner woman. Cause I do feel like there's a wild inner woman within me. Who's kind of like, of course I'm going to do it all. Of course I'm going to like run the coaching training program and I'm going to do the sovereign experience. And I'm going to like say yes to that really great speaking opportunity at this, you know, you know, corporate, corporate place in San Francisco. And like, let's bring a little like courage and wild woman to like the corporate place, you know, like, and, mm-hmm. and that is part of how I'm wired. And I think, I think it would be true from what I know of you, correct me if I'm wrong though, to say that you are wired that way as well. And that we both carry a very clear sort of, I guess, internal awareness, like, okay, we want to do a lot in life. So we are going to have to pay attention to how we get resourced again, how we fill the cup and we are going to have to pay attention to time. Like at least in my own life, I tend to feel like there's not a lot of margin for screwing around with time because, Mm -hmm. and that's not to say that I never have fun. And that is part of how I, you know, get into the whole, like, how do you get resourced again question? But like, like if I say that I'm going to show up for a podcast recording Like I actually need to make sure that I'm buffering five minutes before showing up for the podcast recording. And when I finish the podcast recording, I need to look at what's next on my list and I need to do it because otherwise what happens is my monkey mind will go, oh, just put that off till later. I don't know. I'm kind of tired. Maybe I'll do it later. Like the, the, that, that, I guess it's a, it's a discipline that has to be there around monkey mind and that voice that's like, maybe later, I don't know. Do we need to do it now? Da, da, da. Like, cause that voice, if it takes control, takes this buffet and just kind of like spreads the food everywhere. <laughs> if we continue with that metaphor, mm-hmm. is that your experience as well? Or feel free to yes. extrapolate your own. <laughs> yes, I would agree. Um, a high amount of discernment for what is, um, when I use the terms productive and unproductive, I'm meaning like things that are productive take me closer to what I'm working on and trying to achieve in this life. Things that are unproductive move me further away from that. So mm-hmm. I can really discerning on how my time and energy and focus and attention is spent because I, as you mentioned, the term monkey mind, it can certainly be pulled by shiny object syndrome. Yes. And I, that's absolutely something that you talk about um, in your work and as one of the um, kind of inner, inner struggles of the saboteur. And I would say that when I was mentioning earlier, that seeker in me um, that wasn't reined in was very much a um, victim of the saboteur because it was 
I, I was being pulled willy-nilly in many different directions and not being discerning, not being decisive, not having um, a plan in place and structures in place to appease all of these um, different interests of mine. So it felt like nothing was happening. It felt like I was spinning my wheels because it was just me going from one thing to the next with blinders on. And now I have absolutely learned um, certain tools, mindfulness practices, and also getting really clear with myself on what it is that I am trying to do, trying to achieve, how I'm trying to serve, how I'm trying to show up, and using those as a litmus test for what I'm investing myself into. I think the word just came to me listening to your, your beautiful description of this. It's the awareness that I was referring to a moment ago that, that you and I are having is intentionality around time. Like, oh. like if I'm mm-hmm. going to piss away an hour on Facebook, knowing that that hour, like, especially being a mom, like I have limited work hours. So like, mm-hmm. if I'm going to like lose that hour to like a Facebook discussion and like insert myself in the debate and <laughs> read all the comments and all that, like, it, I'm very intentional about that. Like, uh, is, is that what I want to do with my time? Is this important enough for me to say something about, or is it just like, I, you know what? I just need to pull back here. Like, this is not this is not what I want to be doing right now. Um, anyway, I just, I feel like that's a piece of it. This intentionality that has to enter to sort of tame the, the, the wildness, I guess you could say like, and that might sound kind of strange, like taming the wildness, but it's like the even wildness needs something of a container. Absolutely. Um, there's, I have a couple things on my mind right now, like two different directions. Um, one is just a little bit of a blip based on what you were just saying. Um, and it was in relationship to being on Facebook and, and I'm just going to kind of like take that example and, and run with it totally. for a minute. Um, for me, I know that I can very much get stuck in, in that loop. And so of, of being on social media and potentially um, using time on there that is not productive for me. And so I absolutely set um, some boundaries around how I choose to participate um, and how I choose to engage. And I also, the biggest tool that I have, have recently engaged in is delegation to mm-hmm. folks that help me with um, being on, and online and being an online presence and helping support me in that sense and helping support me in my marketing efforts um, and uh, connecting with others in multiple networking ways. So I think it's absolutely imperative for folks that are multi-potentialites to have a, almost like a a team around them that they can delegate to um, when something might become too much of a distraction or it's not necessarily in my wheelhouse, but absolutely imperative to running a business. So yeah, I just wanted to hit on that point that delegation when you have a lot going on and you're interested in many different avenues is imperative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's really um, true. It's a hard thing for me, actually. Um, I don't know if it is okay. for you or if it was at the beginning, but for sure it, it's a skill set that I've yeah, it's, it's been a harder thing for me. 
Sure. And it, it is hard. And I think it goes back to that sense of like, I want to do it all and doing it all. It's hard to separate doing literally it all <laughs> and doing like what it is you're really interested in. So I think for me, it's like, okay, I want to do, I want to do my all and my all like running a business means that there's all these things like marketing and finance and um, setting up appointments. And, but does that mean that I have to do all the aspects within the business or can I really just run the business? So that's, that's uh, a constant question that I'm asking myself when it comes to delegation is like, I can still do what I want to do. But that does mean that there are limited hours in the day and energy and where I need to direct myself. And that then leads me down the path of delegation. Okay. So let's get into like a client based kind of a question. Cause with the craft of coaching podcast, one of the things that I want to try to do is give listeners who are coaches a sense of like, what is the craft that goes into this? And so I'm wondering, like, if you get a client who's showing up very much like, like at a first session, like you show up, like I show up when we're stuck around this stuff in that kind of a place, what do you see as an entry point for beginning your work with them? Like, obviously there are multiple entry points and there's a whole breadth of work that you would do with that client over the course of time to really get them back to that place where they can, you know, have the buffet, but not have it feel quite so overwhelming. Um, But what's your favorite entry point for helping a client at the beginning of a relationship? Yeah, great question. So, I think what, what becomes, what has come up most commonly for me when speaking with folks who are also multi-potentialites is this idea that something is wrong with them, that they need to change, that they need to hunker down, that they need to focus, and that they need to choose the one thing. And my favorite entry point is finding is encouraging a finding of peace of what is. And ultimately that's the basis of like my entire work. And so examining the various interests that they have and um, allowing folks to realize that they don't need to strive for having it all, but they can have their all. You can have your own all. It doesn't need to be, the it all means like, what the what society says you should do, and your all can be something entirely different. That's dependent on the individual. Also, another um, kind of entry point or thing that we explore is: um, is it absolutely necessary to monetize or um, professionalize every interest? Because I find that coming up a lot of times for me as an entrepreneur. It's like, oh, am I trying to just make money at at all of this? And is that necessary? Or can this really just be a hobby or something that I dabble in? So helping folks parse through the various interests that they have. And from there, allowing them to find a little bit of peace with who they are versus trying to change who they are drastically. And then um, giving a little bit of attention to 
if they've been trying to monetize or, or professionalize every single interest and what would it be like to let um, things not be monetized, not be professionalized. And maybe that's really scary and that's something to explore more. Maybe that feels really freeing and that's something to explore more. But those are some of the basic tenets um, on an initial call that I would dive into with someone. That's such a beautiful uh, place to go. And I, I hear echoes of, you know, Liz Gilbert talks about this in her book, Big Magic, where she talks about a friend of hers who gets up every morning and like goes ice skating before work. And she doesn't, she doesn't take it as I have no creativity because I didn't make ice skating my career. She doesn't make it into the only way for me to like have my art is to become a professional ice skater. You know, it's, it's like, it, it doesn't, I love that idea that it, not everything has to be monetized. <laughs> mm-hmm. There can be mm-hmm. a way to honor your expression in that area without necessarily monetizing it. Yeah, absolutely. You can, I love that example of um, that you can be an artist and not make money at it. I mean, that's <laughs> so many artists were artists, like classic artists that never made a dime off of their art while they were living. So of course you can be the things that you want to be in your life, but it doesn't mean that we need society's approval in the way of like exchange of money or publicity, or uh, if your artwork isn't in a museum, does it make you less of an artist? So yeah, I love that idea that you could be whoever it is you want to be as long as you allow some space for, um, how your way of being shows up in the world. Well, and it speaks as well to, I mean, to come full circle, the the sort of problem or challenge that comes up for people where they're like, I don't want to just focus on coaching. And it's like, you could totally become a coach and still do art on the side. Or you could, you know, be a yoga instructor who incorporates coaching into their yoga. Or you could be a coach who isn't a yoga instructor, but who incorporates principles of yoga into their coaching. Um, and, and that's something that you've done really beautifully with like bringing movement into the coaching work that you do. It doesn't have to be, you monetize every single thing. There are ways to cross pollinate and there are just ways to, to like honor that house of expression in your life without it being a full fledged thing. Yeah. I like that, that idea of finding the threads and seeing how they all lead together in various ways in, in your life. Um, yeah, like many different interests have so many possibilities weaving together. My experience with coaching has been so amazing in how it relates to the restorative justice facilitation work that I do. It relates to teaching yoga, to teaching Koya, um, to actual coaching. Like it's just how everything comes together so uh, so synchronistically is, is amazing. And now that I allow myself to see that I blend things together and that they're not all separate, I feel a lot a lot of peace and a lot of excitement day to day. Cause I know that whatever I'm doing, I get to weave in whether it's facilitating restorative justice circle or working with a client, I get to weave in 
um, embodiment and I get to weave in conflict resolution and I get to weave in being in the present moment, uh, no matter what I'm doing. I love it. Well, thank you so much for, for being here to share a little bit about what this can look like and um, <laughs> how, you know, cause I'm just, I mean, I feel like this is another conversation. I've interviewed different people for the craft of coaching podcast. And, you know, each time when I'm thinking of who I want to interview, I'm, I'm thinking too, of like how an audience person, the listener might be going, Oh my God. Like I never thought about it that way before. And actually there's a way to like basically do me as me and, and get out of this kind of narrow prescriptive for what it is supposed to look like. So I really appreciate you coming here and sharing your experience. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I um, really value the opportunity to be able to connect with folks that are um, engaged in multiple interests and have their hearts set on many different things. And I do truly believe that um, that is a, a viable way of living an adult life. Awesome. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.